Shall we begin? Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure? It's time. It's time. Did you just say it's time? Stay calm. Help. I need somebody. Help. Don't ask me a question. If you don't, when they hear what my answer is, I'm gonna answer it. Not just anybody. You know I need someone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Shock Therapy Live with John Wesley Crockett, Rebecca Crockett, and myself, Nathan. Yourself. Reese. (laughs) Have I mentioned before that the energy that John Wesley comes in with just immediately exhausts me before we even get started? So... Sorry for you. Rebecca, have I ever mentioned how you start every podcast complaining? Ooh. Oh, I do not like the Elvis look just she heard. just gave me. I'm about to start this podcast complaining too because Elvis has entered the studio. Dog, I don't like your existence. What a clown. <laughs> not you, Nathan. I was talking about sure, Elvis. Sure, 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 sure. Elvis. He just does a, a <laughs> stroll of the room, like, hey, yeah, okay, he, smell like what it was when I left. <laughs> it was a waddle. He, like, waddles in here. It's pretty awesome. <sighs> anyway, if you are unfamiliar, if this is your first ever shock therapy, here's what you need to know. Yeah. This is the serious one. John Wesley is a pastor. He's got a master's in uh, okay. Bible, Div- I divinity. think. Divinity. Calm down. He's the smartest man in oh, the room, no. every room he He's walks just into. He's a different kind of smart. He's oh, like a walking man. Bible. <laughs> Merry New Year, Rebecca. Thank you for that <laughs> wonderful comment. All I don't right. know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what she's even said. It's a movie. Okay. If you know the, if you know the movie Wait, quote you're questioning and the clip. my comment and then you just <laughs> pronounced okay. Merry New you Year. You were able just to help me. Throw that out there because someone listening is going to be able to text in and say, I know exactly what movie that is, and this is where it's from, and who said it. And you could text. Yep. At 816-787-1511. That is our shock therapy and all other things text line. Yeah. We call it the shock therapy text line because it's anonymous. Anonymous. So if you've got a life problem, something that you're uh, dealing with, something that you're observing, then you can text that text line, and we can get it and address it once a month. Got it. On shock therapy. Yep. And I already got our first one from our listener. A listener. A listener. <laughs> from our listener. From our the listener. listener. The hey. one the and one only listener. listener. Thank you yes. so much, Mom. There it is. What'd she say? She said, Just hey, kidding. How do you handle a grown child that oh is my gosh. living? <laughs> Was this actually <laughs> my mom? Handle. Like <laughs> a grown child. Yeah, this uh, may have come, grown- come from your mom. Just throw over your shoulder like a fireman. Okay, just finish the question. But no, really. Um, how do you handle a grown child that is living in a toxic lifestyle? A toxic lifestyle. So did, this is kind of open ended, right? Did they give any like no, ex- no indicators or descriptors? Just a toxic. So a child that's living a life that maybe you don't agree with, whether okay. it's drugs or alcohol okay. or. It could be anything. Anything that you have an opposite opinion on that you consider toxic. Yeah. Problem with girls or boys. (laughs) All of the above. I hate them. Both. When I very first read this question, I felt like it was specifically addressing, I could be wrong, but something to do with maybe addiction. Oh. Um, Addiction to food. Addiction to entertainment. 
or lack of good choices with entertainment or maybe addiction to So basically drugs. what we said, it could like be a, basically um, anything. Basically a lack of self-discipline. Okay, let's get to that. So self-discipline, um, I would say this is pretty common in a lot of families that come through uh, just everyday life. I mean, you, you encounter, whether it be church, workplace, school, everyone's got a story with something that they would say, uh, I know this is wrong, or this is happening in my life, or something that comes across as toxic to the caring parent, but no one's talking about it, or it's a shouting match, or it's some sort of like elevated conflict, but no one's finding resolve. That's kind of how I'm reading this question. That seems, hello, Rebecca, you're just giving me this blank stare. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> so what we're going to address here is the well, general, is everybody's dealing with an issue Nobody's talking about it, but sometimes people are talking about it. Let's get at it. Okay. I've got a question. How do you deal with a toxic spouse? Jay West, you should be able to answer this. Grace and truth. See. Listen. Oh. That you're starting to he talk actually about our answer. daughter, Grace. Listen. Listen. <laughs> listen uh, actively. Oh, okay. Uh, nod your head. Uh-huh. Yeah. I hear you, but let me speak to that. <laughs> Are you telling me how I should respond? I'm giving Nate no, no, no. an example. I think he's telling us how he responds <laughs> to you. This is how you. I do Oh, my that. gosh. Okay, guys. Let's Grace focus on this question here. Toxic You have lifestyle. a child that is out of your household if yeah. they're an adult, and so you're not able to discipline them for the actions they're doing. But how do you respond to them? Do you let them come over for holidays? Do you have phone conversations? Do you bring this matter up every single time yeah. you talk to them? What should we do in this situation? It's kind of the elephant in the room, isn't it? Like, like everyone knows it. No one's speaking I, about it. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Here's from, from an adult <laughs> child's perspective. Oh, Let's cool. say I was the one living the toxic. By the way, this question didn't come from my mom. Uh, and I don't think <laughs> I'm living a toxic life. But it's anonymous. So. So. Right. So who really knows? Um, <laughs> but if it is my mom, I'm really sorry that I let you down. I'm doing the best I can. Well, I'm doing close to the best. I could probably be doing better. But anyway, it's not about me. <clears throat> but if it was about me, I would expect my parents to still invite me over for holidays and whatnot. Like, I, the, if, if I was, like, going down the wrong path and if I was living a toxic lifestyle out of the house and everything, I, the, the worst thing that I think my parent could do is disown me. Cause I'd be like, okay, never mind that then. Like I'll just keep running. Yeah. Um, I don't know if every adult child, a human being, I don't know if any, uh, every person would respond that way for some people it might be the wake up call they need to, to clean up their act. But I know for yeah. me personally, if I were to go down that route, then I'd be like, well, all right. If you disown me, then I guess I don't need you anymore. That's like, it, that would be like the last possible hope for me yeah. to go the right path. Sure. Would be them, them cutting me off. I agree with you on that. I think wow. I would feel the same way if um, my parents cut me off. I would have completely rebelled and gone in the opposite direction. I think when a child is living in a toxic lifestyle, okay, a, a, an adult child is living in a toxic lifestyle, they've probably had the conversation with their parents. Like their parents are aware they're living in, in a toxic lifestyle. The adult child is aware 
that the parents are aware that they're living in a toxic lifestyle. I don't think this is something that they need to continually address and bring up. But like you said, being welcomed into their house for holidays and and having regular conversations that don't surround. Correct. The toxicity, toxicity that they're dealing with, but but just talking about life and and loving your child in the midst of it. Now, I know that there are some situations where whatever that person is dealing with could be a danger to other people they're around. And so there's an exception to that that you're going to have to work around. Mm -hmm. But in general, in general, when somebody's living a toxic lifestyle, um, love from from their family is what they need. There's a verse that talks about that love covers a multitude of sins. And because we're all sinners, we all got jacked up stuff happening in our lives. But in this general scenario, um, this is a great picture as a parent to one, you can go with both what you both said. You, know, you just agree to a disagree and you don't keep making the issue the primary focus of your gathering, but ways to remind your child, even in their toxic lifestyle, that still fights for their heart, that you still value them because they're your one and only child. Now, I'm not just saying number of children, I'm just saying like them and their name and who they are, there's nobody else in the world like them. And so the value you bring, even at a disagreement, if they can still feel the value, even though they may be some, in, in some sort of toxic situation, that can cover so many things. And it may take some time. It may take years. But the fact that you're consistent in that, it's pretty powerful. And building trust as a good listener, being willing to listen to your child yeah. and not always offer advice but just being a listener is important um, for that child to know that they can continue yep. to return to you, to talk to you about things. And when they're ready to receive advice, they're yeah. going to ask for that advice um, without you always offering it yeah, up. Yeah, because there's stages of anger, stages of fear, stages of bitterness. And it's like a process and everyone processes differently. And so I think as a parent, if you can get a better handle on that cognitive relay as well as a heart issue... It's just going to take time, but your steadiness and your consistency of that love and that value, even at disagreement, it's still corrective, but still love. Wow. Yeah, that, that's big. I know for me personally, I have this rebellious personality that if somebody tells me to do something, I'm definitely going to do the, the opposite. Okay. And so that was the situation my parents were always dealing with was trying to tell me to, to do the right thing, but then I had to prove them wrong. Like I had to do the opposite just to show them that sure. I, I wasn't going to do what they told me to do. And so I have become strategic as a parent <laughs> with yeah. one of my children that has a very rebellious personality sure. and making sure not to directly say, mm-hmm. you need to do this. But in conversations, I have become a very good listener and then asking questions of what do you think you should do with yeah. the situation instead of being specific about, telling them what I think they should do. Yeah. That's a really great insight. And I think sometimes as a parent, you can get kind of lost in the minutia of just the moment or your, your feeling of your loss as a parent, like you've lost your control. And I know that plagues every parent in some shape, form or fashion, but don't give up on yourself in that because the more you can continue to stay in it, to stay in the mix, to keep listening, to keep offering insight and perspective continues to fight for their heart. I think that's such an important question going into the holidays because 
that this is the time where family's supposed to be close. We just yeah. finished Thanksgiving. We have yeah. Christmas approaching and New Year's. And even though everything looks different because of the pandemic, um, our families are more divided now than they've ever been before. And there's so many other things besides just living a toxic lifestyle that's yeah. causing that division. And so the more you can be a listener, the more you can love, yeah. um, the more you can, yeah, just meet that child, that person, the parent, whoever, where they're at, the better. Yeah. And Colossians three is a new Testament book. And there's a Colossians three gives a great descriptor of ways to navigate these things we're talking about. Um, you know, letting the, the peace of Christ rule and reign in your hearts. That's being steady in the fight, you know, as well as speaking words of blessing, you know, helping change perspective and helping to see the value of everyone involved in the mix. It's just, it's, it's not like Nathan said earlier, well, it's not about me. Yeah, that's exactly right. But not everyone feels that, knows that, and senses that. So just take time. Just takes time. Isn't there a, a story in the Bible? Didn't Jesus tell a story about a a child that lived a toxic relationship, mm -hmm. a toxic life? Yes. Huh. Okay. You remember who it was? The uh, the pro the pro You got it. The prodigal. <laughs> uh, pro digital. The pro digital almost, son, almost digital, almost digital. Oh, the four digital son, the pro digital. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Prodigal son, the prodigal. It's like help, and those are big, big moments. In fact, that leads in um, as a parent. You know, when you think about this next question, you know, what is the right way to end maybe even a toxic relationship? Maybe it's not so much just addiction to a substance or a habit, but now we're talking about another person, the key influencer potentially. Mm. That's delicate. Wait, hold on. What was this question? This one is what is the right way to end a relationship? So not necessarily it doesn't have to a understand toxic relationship. In tandem to potentially Rebecca. follow up. But the like first if somebody question. wants to break up with somebody, is there a good way to do it? Okay, because the first one was general, let's go with it. So yeah, in general. They're in a relationship. They want to break up. How do you do that? Rebecca. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's called a transition if you've never seen one. <laughs> so, I know you're new to this. Anyway, Jay West, continue. He put the word toxic in there, and the word toxic wasn't in the question. It wasn't. No, but, but it was a transition. In tandem with the first. I was also... I was also on my phone because I had a friend request and I was reading whether the person seemed like a psycho or not. And so, so let me get this straight. You weren't paying attention and then proceeded to tell us we were doing things wrong. I heard the word toxic in the question and I remembered <laughs> the question and the word toxic wasn't in there. But you didn't listen to see if I, it was just a transition? No, I knew that he was trying to transition, but I also know that he sucks at transitioning. But it was a solid transition. The, he nailed it and then you were like, mm, no, that wasn't good. Fine, you guys go ahead. Discuss here's the, what's, how, here's how what's wrong. Toxic relationship. Rebecca is scared right now because he put the word toxic into the uh, question of how do you, what's a good way to end a toxic relationship? And she's scared because she knows that she's in a toxic relationship. Oh man. And she's like, wait, 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 yes. no, Jay West, you can't be asking these questions. No, 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 no. <laughs> so John Wesley, how do I get out of a toxic Ouch. relationship? No, you are the toxic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nathan, kidding. With what you know, as a young adult, how would you perceive <laughs> this question to kind of launch into it? What is the right way to end yeah. a relationship? Yeah. Um, 
Wait, what was your question? You're, you're how young, I perceive it? Yeah, how do you perceive that question as a young 20 The way you asked him that question was kind of confusing. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> how do you uh, perceive this question as we launch into... Sorry, you're not on the level. Oh, shoot. <laughs> J-West, listen, we don't have master degrees, so you got to talk to us like little that back plebs. Around. I'm just teasing. We only have associates, measly Ouch. little associate degrees. Ouch. Um, Okay, how how would I go about this question? As if this how were, would you break up with somebody, Nathan? I, I was gonna say, What's am the I right the person way? asking the question, or am I being asked the question? I'm asking you. You're asking me how to enter. Yeah. How, but, how would you do that? What's your insight on? How that? would I do that? So Unless now he I'm the one. Doesn't know how to answer the question, so he wants you to talk for a little bit so he can think about it. That's fine. In Jay, let's just say that. In this generation, how is that perceiving how, let's say, young adults around your age are ending relationships? Is it? Texting and being no. like, I'm out. Is it a phone call? Uh, I'm out. It's, Email? It, so, de- it depends on several things. It depends how long you've been dating. Okay. It depends on the reason you're breaking up. And it depends on the personality of the person you're dating. Some people do Alex? not mind at all being broken up over a text message. But if you've been dating the person for a year, maybe, maybe consider don't break it break up over text unless it's like a long distance in which case what else are you going to do mm-hmm. you know you can't travel right now so go for it maybe have a phone call or a skype call skype <laughs> was that does that make me old a zoom call facetime the facebook messenger any of, like any of the above works. will do um but don't let any of those things keep you from breaking up like, don't use that as an excuse. I'm like, well, I don't want to break up over text, so guess I'll just stay in this relationship for a little bit longer. Maybe we'll wait out COVID. You know, like just maybe things will change after COVID. Right. I, I, I don't know. I, I, what is the right way to end a relationship? Quickly, <laughs> briefly, like cleanly. If if you're one of the actually, don't even wait to see if you're one of those people that comes running back like i say if you break up with the person cut off contact for at least two months for at least two months like so you're it, saying okay. after two months you can you can start talking to them again if you're both in a healthy mental state like let's say the person you're dating is part of your friend circle mm-hmm. and okay. good perspective and you don't want your friends to have to choose between you or them mm-hmm. so you say all right well we're going to cut off contact for two months. You guys can hang out with her. You can hang out with me or him or whomever, or you can hang out with me, but just give us that space. And if your friends are good people and they're understanding, then they should say, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense. Give you two months. And then after the two months, then you could say, well, okay, now I can hang around the person and not be totally awkward and start working towards that healing process. It's still going to be awkward. I know it's going to be, but you're going to start working towards that healing process. If you got to have longer than two months, take longer than two months, depending on how long the relationship is. It could take you two years to get over the person. Should you get your hoodies back before you mention anything about ending the relationship? You shouldn't give them your hoodies in the first place. (laughs) Here's what you do. You go to Walmart, you get a cheap hoodie that's comfortable, but isn't practical. And you say, here's my hoodie. Well, you wear Uh-oh. it for a while. Make sure it smells like you. Looks a little broken in. Leave it in your room you for like two months. that it's your favorite hoodie. And then you give it to them. That way, when you break up, you don't have to worry about your expensive hoodies being gone. Throw it under your blankets. Leave it in your bed for like two months. And then 
oh no, you took my hoodie. Oh, that's so cute. Whatever. And then they're like, do you want your hoodie back? And you're like, I, you never had my hoodie. <laughs> that's, Psych. That's a little pro tip when you get into a relationship. Right. Um, that being said, you shouldn't start a relationship already planning to break up. But you should always prepare for the worst. Should you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Does social media make that messier? Um, yeah. Our, it gives you one more thing to have to avoid them on. And depending on whether they're a part of your friend circle or how active they are on social media, I say it doesn't matter. Cut them off from everything. Yeah. Block them and they should block you back. But if they're like in your friend circle and your friend posts something and they're in that picture, then obviously it's hard to, yeah. hard to do it. If you need to, just get off social media altogether. Delete the Instagram app, delete Facebook app. Like you don't have to delete your accounts, just delete the apps for two months. Take a little fast, a little hiatus. Go for a run. I haven't broken up with anybody for a long time. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember, like, how does that conversation even yeah. go? Like, I was trying to think about that too. When, when you school. make that phone call, Gosh. I'm trying to think back to like my high school uh -huh. days and I made that phone call and it went something like this. Hey, um, I think that it'd probably be best if we break up. I think you're great and all. I mean, you're really great and you're going to make somebody else really happy someday. But I just don't think we're right for no. each other. Oh, righty. <laughs> I remember it was my junior year and I did the phone call thing to the girl I was dating. And I said these words, I'll never forget. Hey, I think we're just going two different directions and it's okay. And it was like such a, it seemed like a, such an easy letdown. Like, yeah, maybe you're right. Like agreeableness. Like it was like, there was an agreeable point where we intersected. That's shocking. And I was like, that never cool. happens. And I was like, but then here's where I failed. Hey, and by the way, I know you have like one of my favorite necklaces. Do you mind if I stop by? Pick that up <laughs> this week, and it was like, <laughs> like that's not a, a good whole move. other thing, though. Like, what do you do move. with the stuff afterwards? Yeah, like, I like a, you have stuff that was valuable to you at one time. Yeah. Do you return the stuff that the other person could still use if you were given a gift? Yeah. Do you keep that gift? Yeah. And like now, what do you do with like all the digital pictures? Gosh, that's like, that's what I'm saying. The social media <laughs> your component. phone is full of pictures. Your social media, like, what do you do with all of yeah, that? Stuff? I think our young adults today, I would say, like, just even Nathan's age and younger, um, that are really facing the mental combative just within themselves because it's like everything's right there in the immediacy of everything you look at is that relationship <laughs> reminding you, and you're like, but did I do the right thing? And all of a sudden it becomes kind of convicting. Like, did I end it well? Did it all end well? Could, what could I have changed different? I know we talked about the pandemic, and that's a very real thing. But this flip side of that, it's the social media. Wow, you're just a tidal wave of constantly being inundated with photos, information, and memories. It's tough. I think there's a lot of factors that goes into the right way to break up with somebody because it depends on if it was a toxic relationship yeah. or if it was like you truly care about this person, but you're really going in two different directions. Yeah. Like you're just not right for each other. And I think you need to have total respect yeah. when you're ending re the relationship. There it is, respect. Um, if one, you're questioning whether you yeah. need to end the relationship, you probably need to end yeah. the relationship. And then um, in doing that, yeah, having respect for the other person and because it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be painful for both of you. Yeah. And you once had something where 
you really thought like this could be the person I could spend the rest mm-hmm. of my life with. And so keeping that in mind. So this leads into the next one is what do you do about your family that isn't like the person you're dating? Like, so you're not breaking up. Well, that's the Whoa. thing is, does that mean that they should break up because mom and dad or the family doesn't approve of the person you're dating? Cause then you got that layer of now it's no longer just the social component of your identity together. But now it's like the family dynamic of do they fit in the family? And if they don't, what do you do with that? That's delicate. That's do tough. you fit in the family? I think that's a question you need to ask. <laughs> Ooh. There is. <laughs> wow. Pull back the can. I wasn't <laughs> asking you that question. No, I was I just saying no not me. I know. <laughs> I know you were asking me. I'm just saying in general. Why does our relationship sound so toxic right now? Like we sound like we have major issues. You guys, it's always fighting whenever I come over. They Um, don't fight for one hour out of the week. And it's whenever we're live. You're showing up for the show and there's laughter anyway. But no, like that's really a hard scenario. And it's not often I hear that scenario, but someone's walking in that like, hmm. Mom doesn't approve, so I should probably end it. Whoa, whoa. Hold on. Pump the brakes. You got to step back and assess your role in the relationship. Is it healthy? What are the marks of health? Are you communicating? Not just between each other, but with family. Maybe you withdrawn, and maybe that's why they're like, yeah, I don't like this because you're withdrawn. You're not showing up to be in the family. So, yeah, you got pressure to end it. So, you got both sides of it speaking to it. I don't know. Nathan, what do you think? Uh, well, Personally, um, my family is very close. We all live within like 15 minutes of each other. We all see each other on a weekly basis. Most weeks, multiple times a week. Mm -hmm. So for me to date somebody that my family does not like, trust me, I've tried, (laughs) doesn't end well. My family is actually very accepting. Um, so if they don't like somebody, there's definitely a reason why. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't do it because for for me to date and get engaged and then marry somebody, that is very much like welcome to the family. Mm-hmm. You better be best friends with every single person here. <laughs> because that's... I mean, those expectations are a little high. I I know, I know. My sisters really kind of spoiled things because they all married people who were, like, already my best friends. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And so the family was, like, already very familiar with them. Um, They also all went to the same church that we go to, so that made things a little bit easier on the parents. But for me personally... As far as dating somebody the family doesn't like, I would I would probably try to figure out what it is that my parents don't like. Is it the person? Is it something they're doing? Is it a lifestyle that they're living? Does she have tattoos? Is that why you don't like her mom? Are you afraid I'm going to get tattoos too? <laughs> because I probably will. <laughs> I really hope my mom doesn't listen to this. Um yeah, anyway, I, w- I would try to figure out why it is that my family doesn't like them. And then if it's a valid reason and not something that they could easily get over, then I'd break up. A good answer. That find out the reason why, not Thank whether you. they just don't like them, but find out what it is yeah. and whether that's a deal breaker for you. I think your your parents, your family knows you, probably knows you. I'm not talking about you specifically, Nathan, but a family 
knows their child more than anybody else mm-hmm. in the general sense. And when they're dating somebody that's not right for them, usually the family has a good read on that, but not always. Mm-hmm. And I have met families where the person that maybe we're addressing right here that that is in a relationship um, the family may be like, they're the ones that are on the wrong track and they don't like this person that's in your life because maybe they're giving you a positive outlook on life that you didn't have yeah. before. And so it's possible that the scenario could be reversed there yeah. and the person that you're dating is a better influence in comparison to your family. I remember when I was dating Rebecca, I really wanted my parents to love Rebecca. Like I had that like in my mind all the time. Like, gosh, I just hope my mom and dad really like her because I really like this girl. And I remember one time I went into my room after church, changed into my Arizona jeans uh, from JCPenney, which we still talked about that. And my leather shoe boots that I had, they were like (laughs) really dark leather. Anyway, they weren't leather shoe boots. Whatever they were. Those were were leather sandals and you were wearing yellow toed socks. That's right. Gold toe socks. Thank you. And I walked out and I witnessed one of the most beautiful things in the laughter between my to my, my girlfriend at the time, which is Rebecca, and my dad just talking life, laughing. And when she went home for the rest of the day, my dad's like, that girl, like, yeah, John Wesley, that's awesome. Way to go. And I was just like so freeing, like oh, mom and dad's approval, mom and dad's affirmation of like their love for Rebecca. Um, that just like was such a spark into like such a positive, well, one, communication, and two, uh, the reason for the relationship to continue to thrive and to blossom the way that I had hoped but gosh, that extra measure of blessing from my parents really just sparked things even greater. It's great. They say when you marry somebody that you're marrying their family, and that is so often true. Unless you completely move away and your significant other wants no interaction with their family, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But unless that's the case, you're going to have lots of interactions with their family. And so I think... Um, being good with with the family is <laughs> definitely makes life a lot easier. Yeah, I was so proud. But I to guess hold the question hand. is, should you break up with them? <laughs> I think Nathan nailed it there when he was like, "Find out the reason is a, a legitimate reason." I think it is. Yeah, I think that's the. the can they get over the like no the fact like if she has a tattoo, can they get over that? Mm-hmm. Because that might not be a legitimate reason. It's kind of like what's the negotiable versus the non-negotiable. And right. It's like, you know, those are some negotiable things. Like you can get past that. The petty versus the permanent. Yeah. Maybe that, yeah. but if they it's don't good. like the other person, cause they're just toxic, then you got to talk about that. It's time to recognize that. Yeah. That the person is toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which can be also hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it might take when you, you a really year. Like it really like that person. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you Colossians three, Read it. I mean, there's so much depth into addressing a lot of this because what we just talked about goes right into what about family beef, especially with relationships like this. Is it is it the relationship that's toxic or is it your family that's toxic? Well, here's the thing. Um, This uh, listener texted in, said, how can I have a positive, a positive interaction with my family when they don't agree? Embrace that relationship. 
Well, Wait, are we page. talking about the dating thing still? Or are we just talking well, about... From the dating thing to just that might... You just, just be, transitioned. It might just be tumultuous. It might just be downhill uh, from there. Press the button. Where, <laughs> that's called a transition if you never see what... Thank you. And you just keep going downhill because that's all of a sudden... That's the focal Okay, point. just read the actual question so I know what it's asking. Family beef. That's what we're talking about. Family beef with the person you're dating? How can I have a positive interaction with my family when you don't agree? So just coming out of the scenario. Does it like, have anything to do with the relationship <laughs> or this is a completely no, separate question? We transition. Yeah, it's a it's a whole new question from the previous question. Okay, well, I feel like you're making up words to make it transition better. He's not making up words, all right? <laughs> and even if he was, he is. He's got a master's degree, so he could do that. I think. Oh, I, I think you get a license after you hit master's. <laughs> get a license. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> the monthly payments on that license are a lot, though. Yeah. Anyway, so the question: family beef. Yeah. How do you talk to people? How do you be nice? How do you have to a positive interaction? You show up. Hey, mommy, dad. Or is it like, hey, how you doing? Just like yeah. maintain. Do you fake the smile? Yeah, that. That's exhausting. It is exhausting. Putting up the front. Yeah. Using all the words. And sometimes you're like, got to say these words. I got my template of words. And it's like, whoa. And how long do you fake the smile? Put up the, put up yeah. the ruse uh, before you actually just uh, talk about the actual issue at hand. Yeah. I talked about at the beginning of this podcast about how families are more divided now than they've ever been before because there's so many issues to be divided over right now. And so it makes it really difficult to talk with family members who are of the complete opposite persuasion of you. And so what do you do? Yeah. What, even if you're not the one bringing it up all the time, what if, what if that's all they want to talk about? Do you still get together with them? Yeah. I think one component of that is humility. You know, even though there may be disagreement, can you still display humility, like, to know your place, to know, like, even if there's at odds, I mean, take the high road. And humility is a piece of being, just to going on the high road of, like, trying to be agreeable in some shape, form, or fashion, to find some middle ground and then work from there. So if, if there's family beef, let's say, like, every single year, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or just you coming over to your family's house, let's say your parents' house, and it's almost inevitable that there's going to be like a big argument. Yeah, that. That can be pretty detrimental to your relationship with your family. So is it better to just avoid showing up altogether until you can magically one day not have an argument? Wait till somebody almost dies or something. Gosh, see, and I hear that so much at funerals as a minister, and hear people just say, "I should have said that, said you know, said something sooner. I should have shown up more." There's like these, and that's like a part of the levels, you know, of anxiety and levels of anger and levels of all those things that go into play. And it's like, I'm just gonna run with that word humility. It's like you can show up and not even have to talk, you know, just like you being there can still make an impact, even though there's maybe past baggage. Yeah, I think not showing up for things just because you know there's going to be an argument 
um, could become really easy to just always do until you completely separate yourself from your family. And then somebody dies and you have that awkward moment of showing up at a funeral with people that you don't know and regrets because you didn't get time with that person that passed away. Yeah. So um, I think you do show up. I think you be the bigger person. You take the higher road. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth, worth how exhausting those interactions can be just to continue that relationship because time is short. Time flies by faster. Yeah. The older you get, the faster it flies by. And those relationships, especially those family relationships, are so important. And I think you need to do what you can to resolve that beef, no matter what that issue is. And, you know, if if you need to apologize, just do it. Just be the person to to say that you're sorry, even if you know that other person is not going to say they're sorry and that they're going to have a bad attitude about it. But show kindness and mercy. You can't apologize for the other person who may have offended you. Um, But you can, like Rebecca was saying, you can take the high road. You can state your claim of forgiveness and say, you know what, whoever you're talking to, I think I owe you an apology and here's why. Um, You just may be the solution to the very internal problem uh, they can't put their, their thumb on. But because you initiated forgiveness, wow, that may be the trigger, the mark that switches it from there on out. Now, if they don't reciprocate, you have to go into it anticipating not to get the response you're hoping for. But what a moment if it turns out to be the moment where it's redemptive, where it's forgiveness, it's been received as well as expressed back to you. I mean, could you imagine? Because you walked in that and they said, you know what? I wasn't going to, I wasn't even going to say anything. Uh, I can't believe you just asked. And then boom, it turns. And now they're asking you to forgive them. I mean, I, I've seen it happen. Don't wait. Just get in the mix. I think one of the ruts that people get into is um, having offense against them over and over and over sure. again. Like Uncle Charlie does this every single, single time. Oh, like yeah. you get tired of dealing with it. So you're like, you know what? I'm going to te- teach Uncle Charlie a lesson here. And I'm not going to tell him I forgive him this time. I'm not going to let this one pass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to it until Uncle Charlie finally apologizes. Yeah. Is that okay? Can we do that? Or is there something wrong with that? I think in the moment, I think we've all been there. And we walk out of there going, it's not what I really wanted. We want to see what happens. Well, that kind of stings. I mean, whether we agree with that or not, it stings. Because the hope is that he's going to come back around and apologize. And sometimes it just takes us who know what to do. We just got to show them what to do. And you may be like, I don't know what I'm apologizing for. Maybe it's a previous response or a reaction. You can own that and say, you know, I think I owe you an apology, and here's why. That can, again, that can shed some light on that relationship or lack of relationship. Cool. Yeah. I got nothing. I was anticipating he had something. Nope, I got nothing. Nothing. (laughs) What about that Coca-Cola you were going to give us earlier? Cherry Coke, my favorite. What are you quoting? What are you talking about? <laughs> Just being silly. I'm getting transition. Oh, you didn't catch that? Wait, what? <laughs> I, I'm looking through the I'm looking through the notes. I don't see anything. You said nothing about, about Coca Cola. Nope, nothing. Dr Pepper. That nope. does sound good right now. 
this a movie quote? Like your Merry New Year thing or whatever? Okay, that is a real quote. But this is also a I real transition. Say it wasn't a real quote. I'm, qu- I'm questioning that second <laughs> part about the Coca-Cola being a real transition. Okay, you know, the Christmas Coca-Cola bear is a big deal when I was a kid, and I always wanted one of those Coca-Cola bear glasses around the Christmas time. Um, I never got one. But my grandma had several when I was a grown adult, and I was like, Grandma, can I have one of these? And then I got one. And then Rebecca's like, why do you keep asking for all these glasses? Because, dun, 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 transition, Rebecca, your favorite <laughs> okay you're not laughing never mind how do you how do you deal i'm waiting for it how do you deal with the pressure of providing a good life for your children i'm just using the christmas season example of this coca-cola mug that, that i really want a terrible example <laughs> that like, was a trip even for I, you okay. that was i I'm, can't even explain the pain i feel right now I'm, and the process you just took no. us through I feel like we we went full circle, but most of that circle was uphill. <laughs> How do you do that? And super fast. Like, I feel really dizzy now. Oh, I apologize. Yeah. We made it. We did. We made it. But <laughs> what a trip. What uh, do you do about that pressure? Okay. What do parents do about the pressure? So, in case anybody missed, we're talking about something else now. <laughs> Um, I'm looking at the good life question from the angle of Christmas. Christmas is upon us. We're in the Christmas season. We're tracking. We're tracking that that you are taking several different approaches (laughs) to get here. There is no need to explain anymore. The more you try to explain, the more confusing it gets. Here's everyone in this room is now dumber because (laughs) I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) Thank you, Billy Madison. Oh, Sam Bruno would have been fine. (laughs) Did you hear they're working on a Billy Madison too? I did not like, know this. There is a sequel in the works. I'm oh. not going to get my hopes up. Okay. okay. What was the question? What? Just read the exact oh question. Gosh. So like, just like. I thought that was a gold, golden moment. Um, <laughs> how do you deal with the pressure of providing a good life for your children? All right. Coca-Cola bear. Go. D- no, that has nothing. Stop trying to squeeze that in. <laughs> Just like there are many ways you can transition to answering this question, there are many ways you can provide a good Christmas for your children. There you go. Many ways. Many ways. Let's give, let's give one. Uh, buy one. them everything on their Christmas list. But that's not realistic. I'm, Nor is that I the just, best. I said there's many ways. That's true, but is that in their best interest to get them everything on their list maybe if they ask for a college tuition for christmas are we talking just are we answering this question specifically addressing christmas i just need to make sure we're clarifying well okay so the question is kind of broad it's broad how do you deal with the pressure of providing a good life for your children they're well that's kind of a big task as far as the life of your children but there's a lot of pressure to provide a good christmas for your family for your kids, that's, for your children. That's true. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm getting really sentimental with the whole Christmas season. I apologize to our listeners. I was really going from the angle of Christmas. So, Rebecca, how would you answer this question? <laughs> all right. So, first of all, um, Christmas isn't, like, the expectations of Christmas is not all about the gifts. And I feel like... Blasphemy. I... <laughs> I feel like I'm just giving like the typical speech. No, Christmas isn't all about the gifts, guys. It's about Jesus, Um, which it is about Jesus. So when we're talking about 
you know, making good memories. None of us want our child to be laying on a couch talking to their therapist about how, how we ruined their Christmases growing up. Um, I think with Christmas, it's important to teach your child, like what the focus of Christmas is, why we even give gifts and keep that in focus. But in, in providing like a good life for our children, I think it's, it's not about what we're able to give them physically and what we're not able to give them physically, but what they're able to experience with us. And when I talked about like being a good listener for your children, I think that is just one of the most imperative things that you you can offer your children is to be a listener to them and having conversations and interactions with everything they're experiencing through their life. I know I've taken this like off of Christmas because I just couldn't focus on like just giving your, making sure your children have a, a great Christmas because that sounds so like materialistic You're right. of like, thank you. <laughs> focusing I don't think it is. on that, like making sure they wake up on Christmas morning and they're like, yay, Christmas is awesome. I feel like there's a million ways to do that without like buying them everything on their Christmas list. I know I feel like in that sense, is, it's not materialistic. This is, like this is simple. Like, wait, hold on. Dealing with their life as a whole is more no, simple than dealing no, with Christmas? No, I'm saying Christmas? Christmas. I feel like that's just so simple. Like, it's so simple to provide a really great Christmas for your kids without, like, buying them everything that's on their Christmas list. Yeah, you're right. We don't want to provide any simple uh, simple answers. <laughs> I already explained that, and that Continue. is talking to your children about what the focus of Christmas is. And that the reason why we give gifts, and then if if they're still complaining about what they got for Christmas, then Spank they em. lost the point of it. Spank them. Spank them until they enjoy Christmas. <laughs> we, okay, I'll, I'll address the Christmas thing. <laughs> we were very, very poor parents. And so it was always like on our mind of like wanting to be able to give something to our children for Christmas. And we always found a way um, and like, I remember one year going to the thrift store and buying Zacchaeus a whole bunch of trucks for Christmas. Like, that's all we got him. But he was young enough, like that he didn't realize like we were buying stuff from the thrift store. He just knew he got a bunch of trucks and that was really cool. And we also saw other situations when we were trying to provide for our kids and we would have to like provide gifts in the simplest way we could. Um, but in doing that, that's where our focus was really on what it was supposed to be on. And we did different things. Like we were always involved in our church Christmas pageant mm -hmm. and that always became so much more of what Christmas was to us because we were giving that gift. We were explaining the story of Jesus. We were explaining the story of forgiveness and hope. Um, and that is what created Christmas. And so the gifts were always secondary to us. And so I think making sure that as a family, you have a focus on what it's truly about. Like our church right now, give our church a plug. Um, we're doing 25 days of giving. And so each day we're doing like an act of kindness you can do. And in the pandemic, it's really hard, like as a church body for everybody to get together and do the things that we normally did mm -hmm to be able to give back during Christmas. But yeah. this like days of giving thing gives everybody in the body, no matter where you're at, an opportunity yeah. to give back and to every day be conscious about 
giving and being that light. And like I talked to um, Pastor Adam Hamilton from Church of the Resurrection today. Uh, I was doing an interview with him about are our pastors okay because of everything <laughs> that they're going through with the pandemic. Um, he was talking about how people are like stained glass windows. He was using a quote. We couldn't remember where the quote came from, but he said people are like stained glass windows. Um, when it's the darkest is when they shine the brightest and that's what Christians are to the world. And so that's what we should be for Christmas. We should be stained glass windows and we should shine that light and that should be the focus and not on what we're getting our kids to make it the best Christmas ever, but what we're teaching them about the true meaning of Christmas, because those feelings of giving back and being able to help others, those are the things you're going to carry with you forever. You're not going to remember most of the things that you got for Christmas. Yeah. The experience together is the lasting memory more than just the tangible gift that was given. Like as a kid, I mean, I had different, you know, different groups of friends, but um, a couple of my friends, you know, they're in situations where, their Christmas was divided and it wasn't a sense of togetherness. And that was really tough to comprehend as, you know, a pre-adolescent. And I was just like, okay, so how does that work? And it just was a foreign thing to me, but that was someone's real world. But what rang true through all of it, whether from our home or their home, it was the fact that we're all craving this togetherness, you know? Um, And so as a parent, um, yeah, it's just, it's much more than just the gifts. And so, you know, kind of step back and reflect on that and the kind of relationship experience, the togetherness that really can be the focal point. But like Rebecca said, you know, um, the position that uh, we're highlighting and the light of the gospel, the, the hope of Christ, the peace of Christ that rules and reigns, Jesus, Messiah, all of those things bring the central focus back to the reality of what Christmas is all about. And that is just liberating in all of it. One of the things we created for the holidays as a family was the Crockett Christmas Tour. And this was created out of the fact that we had absolutely no money. But we were trying to create something fun that our kids would look forward to every year. And we would get our pajamas on and we would have hot chocolate and we would drive around and listen to Christmas music and look at Christmas lights. And like the Crockett Christmas tour developed over the years, like as we got more income, we added, um, we wore normal clothes eventually, um, (laughs) got out of the car. We would go like down to the plaza. Once we moved to Kansas City, we'd go down to the plaza. We'd have dinner someplace, not even a fancy dinner, but we'd have dinner, Um, maybe take like a a sleigh ride around um, the plaza, the horse-drawn sleigh ride. And do different things, but yeah. the Cracker Christmas Tour still includes hot chocolate and driving around listening to Christmas music yeah. and looking at Christmas lights. Yeah. And that was just something we did together as a family that didn't cost a lot of money. And yeah. it's like the thing that every year our kids like are like, when's the Crockett Christmas Tour? When are we when doing that? When are we that? doing that? It created that experience. And even out from the original idea that started with you and I, it did something that was generational in the sense of Zacchaeus as he got older, he started processing need in the experience of Christmas where he then started creating care packs like around the age of what, 10, 11? Oh, he was pretty young because whenever we would go down to the plaza, we saw a lot of people that there were homeless. There was people in need and he became, really, he was broken heart. I remember watching his countenance one time, the very first time, and he was like, okay, I don't understand this moment. Why are we having such a good time? But yet this person's asking, they're holding up their hand for help we're at the plat like what what is this it wasn't computing and so he 
really pondered that. And he was just like, I want to do something about that. Can we like give something that they would need and say, this met my need and I can actually use this? I'm like, bro, absolutely. He's like, yes, what do you want to do? And it came from the overflow of his heart as he was processing the experience that created and saw needs that could be met. One of the greatest gifts ever. And all of this talk about what you can do for Christmas <laughs> to make sure that your children have a special time um, overflows into your entire life with your children and thing. should apply in every aspect of your child's life yeah, and your life, your family's life. Nailed it. Boom. Yeah. Got it. Answered it. Do you have anything to add to that, Nathan? Um... No, not at all. Uh, we don't do any uh, Crockett Christmas tour or anything for my family. What about a Reese tour? Oh, yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> no, um, not really. We used to go around like Olathe and look at lights and stuff. I remember That's doing cool. that. Now we go to, uh, what? where's that place where they do all the lights? Like It's like a park that you drive through. Hmm. Christmas in the park, wherever that's at. We do that. I've never been there yet. I heard it's really cool, though. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Cold sometimes also around <laughs> Christmas time. Yeah. Do you uh, get out of the car? You're not supposed to. Okay. But if you got a like a sunroof or maybe a Jeep, oh, you can stick your head out the top of the, the car or take the smallest children and hold them out the top of the car. <laughs> And you can like hang out the side of the car, sit on the windowsill and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a great anything time. you want to do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and it's great because you could do that this year, and you don't have to come in contact with anybody. Boom, bang, pow. Unless there you go. somebody's Boom. coming the opposite way, and yeah. you're leaning out the window, <laughs> you're gonna come in contact with somebody real hard. That doesn't even happen because it's only a one-way street. Unless somebody goes two ways. Um, in which case, they're probably going to get arrested. <laughs> so that sucks for them. Um, and I think it's free. I think you might be asked to do like a donation at the end. I okay. believe that is true. And depending on how much you donate, you get some like chocolates. And candy canes. Yeah, but those don't matter. Candy canes are gross. But you can get <laughs> chocolates like caramels and stuff. Heck yeah. Probably from Mercer Stover's. It's a great time. Take your kids. Christmas in the park. There's your plug. How much are they paying us? <laughs> nothing yet nothing yet i honestly thought you were talking about there's that house in olathe like off the one with all the inflatables yes the penguin house, the penguin house with the movie screen Jeez. and the old pickup truck with the surfboard it painted the american flag on it like they are so decorated and the I'll, bubble maker the oh my goodness i forgot the bubble maker is like 129th in Merlin in Olathe, and it is worth driving by. But you have to get out, Nathan, and then you can walk through basically their yard. I always felt kind of weird about that. But because of COVID, that, that, is that might not be a thing. That's year. true. That's very You very can true. drive through the yard now. No. Now, that would be weird. Just go real <laughs> I mean, fast. you cannot. <laughs> well, you have to go pretty fast. It's a roundabout. It's a, not a roundabout. It's a cul-de-sac. There we go. Anything's a roundabout if you can drive fast enough. Ouch. Man, it's just got really dangerous. Do not oh. condone that behavior, Nathan. <laughs> All right, we got one more question. Can we answer it in five minutes? Um, That's a pretty not big if question. Jay West does the transition, Nathan. Can it, you just uh, read the question? This is a big uh, gosh, Save us all. This is a big question. I don't know if we actually can, like, legitimately. Uh, we'll, we'll give it a shot. How do I move on from abuse I had as a kid that still affects my life today? Uh, therapy. There you go. All there right. There you go. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening <laughs> to the event lab. No, seriously, though. Do you want uh, me to try and address this real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got five minutes. Okay, so when, when you're abused as a child, you might carry those. Um, if you don't receive help at some point, you'll carry those abusive tendencies to you with you into your adulthood. And there are things that you might not notice um, right away, but you'll notice, especially when you're in a relationship and there's things that you'll shy away from. There's things that you'll like close up and um, it comes out in the way that you deal with conflict and things like that. There are things that need to be addressed and um, really there's no other way to deal with it than going through some sort of therapy and that could be with like a good friend that can walk you through that, that, that has the ability to walk you through that. Really the best thing is to get some professional therapy because if you've been abused, you have some deep seated tendencies that you're going to carry with you. And, um, I mean, there's lots of books you can read and studies that you can do and things like that. But, um, yeah, those things need to be dealt with or they're going to rear their ugly head at some point. And forgiveness, that's important. That's hard, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, well, just because I keep highlighting Colossians 3, really, it is just ingrained. <laughs> just applies to, like, everything. It does. Like, what it, does that say? Okay, I, well, if I read all the entire verse. Oh, but, wait, Colossians, wait, what was yeah, it? Yeah, Colossians chapter 3. Oh, the whole chapter. It's the whole thing. Um, that addresses all that we just talked about in context and bringing insight because everything Rebecca just shared, I think, is a strength when you take that initiative on your own self-care to get the help that you may not understand where it's coming from, but through that process will reveal itself better than it revealing its ugly head over you. Because the thing about you getting victory in that area that involves you in the deep-seated hurt is you taking initiative about it. And that is self-advocating, and that is something of a strength that you possess. And maybe you just took that you need to hear this to do something about it. So, you know, our hope is, you know, here at Shock Therapy Vent Lab that we can provide that framework that would help you take steps because it is a process. Um, And you're worth it. And not everybody that's been abused carries these things into adulthood. Some of them were dealt with when they were younger. Um, However, if you find that you've carried stuff with you from the abuse you received as a child, then therapy is necessary. Is that something you wait to see if it affects you in like a relationship or something? Or do you go and proactively seek therapy? You may not know that you have until it shows up and you don't expect it to show up. So you you just like with your first relationship, you're like, hey, listen, I was abused as a kid. Like, no, you don't. This could be real rough. No, so buckle up, buttercup. No need to say that, and that might not be the case. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Cool. Well, that's it. We made it through all six questions. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope we uh, answered those in the way that you had hoped. Hey, we just want to say on behalf of all of this, we want you to know we wish you a Merry Christmas in all of this. What a joy to be on Vent Lab Shock Therapy to have this segment. Um, So from our hearts to your family, uh, thank you for all your support and texting in 816-787-1511. It's my joy to be able to say that because, wow, another year. Yep. 2020, we just about made it. We're about to 2021. So we're looking forward to getting to see you in 2021, have a conversation with you. Just keep in touch. Mm -hmm. So if you think of any questions or anything pops up, 
going into the new year, something's got you unsettled and you hmm. need some clarity, then you can text that number 816-787-1511 and we'll talk about it the first episode of the month. January 5th. January 5th, that's the day? Mm-hmm. Perfect. And it's three days until Rebecca's birthday. Oh. <gasps> It'll be her birthday. Oh, we don't have time. We don't have time to talk about this. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next year. My name's Nathan. I'm Rebecca. We out. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>